Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Movies and a Meal, a podcast where we talk about movies and other things while we eat. I'm your co-host Ben, and as always I'm joined by Keith hey. and Brad. What's up? This week, Keith and I are going to review Martin Scorsese's latest movie, that's Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone. Lily Gladstone. And, and a lot of other American actors and Tim Yeah, people. and there's some, and maybe, maybe not until spoilers, there's some like random people that mm-hmm. just pop up in the third yeah. act that I was surprised to see. And if you're an all-country music fan, there's all kinds of fun cameos in yes, there. We'll get right. into it. But before we do anything else, Brad, can you tell us what this movie is about? Summary is always courtesy of IMDb. When oil is discovered in 1920s Oklahoma under Osage Nation land, the Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. All right, so a little bit more background. You know, this movie, I think, has been kind of developing for a few years now. It's actually based on a book, Killers of the Flower Moon, colon, The Osage Murder and the Birth of the FBI. This is Scorsese's latest movie. This is the one that comes right after The Irishman. Like The Irishman, this is a very long movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which but one is longer? I think this one might be slightly longer. This is, I think, three and a half hours. This is, this is, this might be longer, but it's definitely a very interesting movie. I think it's one that Keith and I had on our top ten anticipated for this year. I think it's also a movie that will be talked about during award season. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we can talk about what their actual chances are to win, but I think you're going to get a lot of nominations out of this, but. Um, I'll toss it to you first, Keith. You know, having read the book and watched the movie, um, what did you think of this? You know, I really liked it. Of a master like Scorsese, you shouldn't say this, but he's a master. He took on really, probably a bit too much here. It's a terrible chapter in American history, a very broad one, and I'm glad he took it on. But, you know, he used a little tighter storytelling in the first third, but that's just really a nit, because what unfolds after that is fantastic. Ben said the book by David Graham is one of my all-time favorites. It's a true crime novel. Well, not true crime novel, but true crime work. He says he kind of flips that on his head, and we'll get into it. He kind of it unfolds more as a puzzle, because he centers on Ernest and King Hale and Molly. And it's an interesting choice. And it kept me engaged throughout. The three-hour, 30-minute runtime, I mean, that's pretty intimidating. And I'll tell you up front, you know, you can watch this in the movie theaters. I don't know when it's going to be on Apple TV+. Plus. If you think that that runtime is a little too daunting for you for one sitting, it will be available to stream sooner rather than later because this is an Apple Plus movie first. I won't say it's, like, my favorite Scorsese movie and... I agree with Keith that that first act is a real slow burn, and, you know, it's interspersed with kind of Martin Scorseseism. So, you know, it's a scene-setting thing with the characters and setting up what it was like in the 1920s in Oklahoma. But then it's kind of interspersed with the Martin Scorsese, like, touches just like sudden violence and sudden and brutal violence. And horrific. <laughs> and, you know, when you watch it, when you go into a movie like Casino or Goodfellas, I think you're a little bit more braced for it, but, like... As a period piece like this, um, it, it was I felt like it was even more shocking in some points. There's some brutal murders right in the beginning. Um, I thought the performances are great. I mean, De Niro, you, you know, this man has been acting uh, in our public conscience for like 40, 50 years now. He's very prolific. I think a lot of times it's not the greatest. David O. Russell and Martin Scorsese, they always seem to bring the best out of him. I mean, Leo is always great. Lydia Gladstone, who we're going to talk about more... Um, in some parts, I feel like she probably could have gotten more playing time. Maybe she should have been more of us at the center because she's kind of sidelined 
The performances are all great, and once you get past that first act where it sets everything up, things start to heat up a little bit, and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, given the long runtime. Yeah, you're right, and you know, I I look it up because you know Leo and De Niro have been Scorsese's. You know, usually just muse for a male there is male people. actor, but there there's muses really. There's 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 people, but they had never been in a Scorsese movie together. Um, they'd did, only been in one one one. This boy's life. Yes, back in nineteen ninety three. Thirty years ago. Um, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think this is De Niro and Scorsese's tenth collaboration. I think this might be number six for Leo. And and the two of them really play well off each other. You know, this is. I'd say it's one of, not one of De Niro's best, but it's close because he plays King Hale as just this really thorough, amazing sociopath who really woos everybody in with a smile. And then, you know, I'm not spoiling anything here. I think he is a terrible person. You know, he murders and orders murders for his own name, on his own name and for his own gains he's, throughout. He, you know. He's basically the devil. When you watch The Departed, like Jack Nicholson's character or, um, I don't know, like Paul Savino's character or... Joe Pesci or Robert De Niro and that, like, there's still a charm about them that you like. I just felt like King is pretty unlikable, mm-hmm. and the way he treats the the Osage people in this, um, they're not even people to him. They're no. just kind of like obstacles in what his ultimate goal is. There's not really anything redemptive about him. Uh, yeah, that, that didn't bother me as much because I knew that he was going to be that way, but also the dynamic, though, between he and Leo is pretty great. Yeah. Leo plays Ernest, um, you know, Ernest, uh, just give a little more of the story, you know, Ernest is his, what is he, what is the relation, is he his nephew? Yeah, so, like, yeah. The, the brief summary is basically, King is, like, the unofficial mayor mm-hmm. of this town in Oklahoma, um, he's a cow rancher, and he's, he's in good with the Osage people. Leo's character, Ernest, comes back from World War One looking for a job. De Niro's character instructs Leo's character and his brother, played by Scott Shepard, who, Brad, you might know, he was the... He was in uh, The Last of Us. He was David, the... Yeah, I was going to say, Yeah, yeah. But basically, he just... He, he basically instructs the two of them to get in good with the Osage people, basically marry into them, mm-hmm. because... The Osage people, they had prior, they had discovered oil on their land, so they're very rich, especially for the time, but because they're Native American and, you know, it's the 20s and all that stuff, like, they don't have ready access. They, like, the government and, you know, the white people basically still have a hand and say in what they do. So King basically was just like, look, we get in with these families, we'll have access to their money, and that's... That's really it. It's not anything more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think he's necessarily like even racist. It's just like he. Just, they just want the money and the power. He's greedy and soulless. Yeah. yeah. But you know, um, there have been. I I noticed it. And other people did too. You know, he, Leo plays Ernest as very very simple, but it doesn't take away from the fact, and it's a good dynamic that Leo could have stopped this at any time. Ernest could have, but he he's taken in by King, and the way they play off each other is pretty great throughout. And you know, to go back to Lily Gladstone. Ben's right. She's, she's she's sort of off screen a lot, but when she's on, it's a it's a slow burn. It's almost a horror movie because, like with many of her compatriots, um, she was basically slow, slowly. Well, I don't want. I don't well, know. we won't spoil it. We will just say by like by way of context. <laughs> Ernest, that's Leo's character, marries Molly, and Molly has rights to this oil money, like most of the Osage people. So. They basically spend the rest of the movie mm-hmm. trying to get their money for themselves, Robert De Niro's character, yeah. or anything like that. So. Yeah, but even even though she is sort of a supporting player, this is really, really her movie. You know, as her world crumbles around her, she's really fantastic throughout. And 
I will say, without spoiling too much, it, it, it unfolds almost like a horror movie. Not just, especially her and her, her story. And, you know, she, we've seen her in Reservation Dogs. If you watch that show, she was in a um, Sundance movie. My favorite Sundance movie this year, Fancy Dance, which unfortunately you can't find anywhere. But she is, you know, a quickly rising star. And she's going she's gonna to get a Best Actress nomination. And she really carries this movie as much as she can with those two titans with her. I listen to the big picture. It's a movie podcast a lot. And I agree with their assessment. There's just something about, like, her face. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio has been a movie star for 30-plus years now. And there are a few people, like, I don't know, like Margot Robbie or stuff, who, like, when when they're on screen with... Or Kate Winslet is another one, I guess. Mm-hmm. But when they're on screen with Leo, that he doesn't automatically like take over like you your eyes are still drawn to her and you just like i just find her interesting maybe in the spoilers we can get a little bit on how they handle kind of the coda and everything mm-hmm. like that we'll get into it but i really liked the ending yeah it was very very well done jesse plemons uh shows mm-hmm. up towards the end um, i won't spoil the two people who end up being lawyers of the third part no. i'll make that i'll leave that a surprise yeah. <laughs> but you know, there, there's some other good people. Um, it's a Benny Scorsese broad period piece. There's all kinds of evil and shady characters. Henry Grammer was a murderous cowboy. We'll leave it at that. And, that's actually um, a character. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's Sturgill Simpson, who all country fans will love. Oh, and okay. Jason Isbell, who um, you know is an even bigger star now, has a pivotal part. He plays uh, Bill Smith, who is Leo's brother-in-law, yes. as, as, they, as they marry into, the, um, into Molly's family. And it's... It, he's, he's, he kind of plays as a silent, brooding character. But not not silent, but you know, kind of terse, brooding character. And he's really good. I don't know. I mean, maybe we want to just go ahead and give our reviews before we talk about anything that remotely resembles some spoilers. Yeah, why don't you go first, and then we'll, then we'll take some spoilers off. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a four. I know when we, we're going to briefly talk about our like top five, maybe after we give our reviews, mm-hmm. um, our, how this kind of fits in our own personal Scorsese pantheon, but it's a, it's a four. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I flirted a little bit with a 3.5 because, like I said, the it's a slow burn. But once it gets going, this is a fantastic movie. Um, it's, it's not Scorsese's best, but it's one of his most ambitious. And the way the um, the puzzle kind of slowly unfolds in, in the second second and third parts, I really enjoyed. So I will give this a four. Also, do you want to? Why don't we do our Rotten Tomatoes and all that other stuff? Um box office even just and we then the back end we can just talk about the movie openly so rotten tomatoes critics and audience uh who wants to get it keith take crack take crack oh think? okay this is an interesting one i know the i know the critics liked it for the most part although i saw that Anne hornaday at the post did not i will go 92 Ooh, i want to be generous with the fans i think if you want to see it you know what you're getting into i will go 82 ben Let's say 89 for the critics. In audience, um, I'll go a little higher. I'll go 85. <laughs> right. Well, Keith, you're right on with the critics. 92%, 295 reviews. Ben, you're right on with the audience. 85%, 500-plus <laughs> reviews. Nice, so nice. Y'all, uh, y'all are batting, uh, batting a thousand about well, it. So. I'm to, glad people stuck with it and they got good reviews from the fans. So. Mm-hmm. Critics consensus, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. Enormous in runtime theme and achievement, Killers of the Flower Moon is a sobering appraisal of America's relationship with indigenous people 
and yet another artistic zenith for Martin Scorsese and his collaborators. Okay. So that pretty much nails it, I yeah. think. <laughs> that was very good. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, you want the uh, box office? Sure. Top of the box think. office again this week is Taylor Swift Eras Tour, which does unfortunately not surprise me. Three day total of thirty two point four million dollars, two week total of one hundred and thirty one point one million dollars. I use the word unfortunately because I was hoping this movie would uh, would top it, but uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, I was hoping it would top it. It finished in second with $23 million this week. So That's a pretty solid number. That's for, a, yeah. for a three and a half hour movie. That's the thing though. It's just like yeah. you could run Taylor Swift's thing probably one and a half times before you even finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Killers um, of the Flower yeah. Moon. Number three, The Exorcist, the or Exorcist the Believer. Mm-hmm. Three day total of $5.6 million. Three week total of $54.2 million. Uh, number four, Paw Patrol 2. Three day total of $4.4 million. Four week total of $56 million. And surprisingly, at number five, the re-release of Nightmare Before Christmas. Huh. The three-day total for it is $4.1 million. So, we got everything else, so I guess it's spoilers, so Brett. Spoilers! Turn away! Turn away now! Okay, so, you know, I mean, some of it, it's, like, history, it's tough to say, a spoiler part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the movie started going for me once the more evil started happening, mm-hmm. when it was clear that... Robert De Niro and them, they just wanted the money, and they're just very willing to kill people very callously to get it done. You know, and, and that felt more like a Scorsese movie. What did it feel for you as you as you saw it unfolding? Well, you know, it's interesting, and I I had read a little bit, so I knew they were going to do this, but like I said, the true crime book, I call it a novel by mistake, but it really unfolds as a thriller. I mean, it's a very harrowing thriller. It's very tragic, but you step by step, you 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 learn what's happening. Now, Scorsese, instead, as, we, as I said earlier, made it more and more about Ernest, King, and Molly in the center. And that, in its own way, I think works better for the movie. It, it, it gave it its core, and it made Molly, even though she's kind of on the edges, she's totally, thoroughly the heart of the movie. And as now we can say it, as, you know, many of her family members and, you know, their tribe members were slowly poisoned... And murdered. wasting disease. Literally yeah. blown up as yeah. well. Yeah. But, but in their own way, you know, it was even more personal. They had Ernest, who's, again, fairly simple if you didn't know this, poisoning her slowly until, until someone intervenes and, you know, she's, yeah. she's, taking, she's actually treated for diabetes instead of poisoned. So that's what I was saying that, you know, I, her, her journey, even though she's on the fringes, is amazing. And that part, that part unfolds like a horror movie. And I love that. And, and um, since you mentioned it, the coda, if you will, I thought was fantastic. So I'll set yeah. it up. So, you know, normally in these kind of historical movies, it ends and then there's a black screen and there's text saying, explaining like what happened. And instead of that for this movie, it suddenly transitions into a, a radio drama and you can see people listening as what's happening the fates of these people are being recounted in kind of a like a, just a radio drama, right? And they're just and uh, it is very interesting at the end. Speaking of cameos, like the person who kind of reads the the fate of Molly, who is like the third lead in this, um, you know, her, her, her obituary is read by actually Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. which I thought that was interesting. But um, so you like that? It's a different thing for sure. I really like it. He's really innovated with the play and him stepping forward at the end. It's it's kind of like the whole movie. You want to enjoy it, but 
you know, if you, you're, you're liking the audience watching this radio play as they're telling these, these awful horrors, and they have the old sound effects and everything. It's a real gut punch, like I said, like Spike Lee does the end of his movies, and Scorsese hadn't really done that. For movies, hadn't really reached that far for an ending like that, and I, I, I thought I really liked it. I guess I'll speak for you. We like this movie, but it didn't crack our top five. I'm just going to run through my top five real quick, and then... Keith can do his, and then Brad's got a couple of lists as well of top five. I won't rank these in any order. I'll just say these are my these are my favorite Scorsese movies. Um, I'm gonna go Taxi Driver. I'm gonna go Raging Bull. I'm gonna go Color of Money, um, which I think is an underrated uh, movie. Goodfellas, because I think everyone should have Goodfellas in yeah. there. That probably is his masterpiece, maybe mm-hmm. like the culmination of everything he does well. And then I'm gonna go The Departed, which is the movie he actually won an Oscar for, though. Yeah, it's debatable. I mean, I think we should. We all agree that he probably should have won for Goodfellas. So. It was kind of a career Oscar, but still a very good movie. Yeah. yeah. So, you're what's your top five, Keith? Well, mine is uh, we have one overlap in Goodfellas, but I like um, I love King Comedy. After Hours is one of my favorite comedies of all time. The the uh, 3D children's movie uh, Hugo is a marvel, and Leo in Shutter Island is my is my other one. Brad, what do you so who, where are these lists from? Well, the first one is uh, from the Hollywood Reporter, and the uh, it was done by uh, a gentleman named James Hibbard. Okay, uh, and this was done uh, October nineteenth, so this was done uh, three days ago. Okay, their number five or his number five is uh, five is Casino, mm-hmm. four is The Wolf of Wall Street, okay. three is Raging Bull, two is The Departed. And one is Goodfellas. I can't really argue with that. I, you mm. know, even though I have it on my list, I would have probably had The Departed maybe a little lower than that. But, I mean, it's he's done a lot of great movies. Yeah. He really hasn't missed, so. I also have the top five Martin Scorsese movies via Rotten Tomatoes, and this is via Critics, not Okay, so this is so. A cri- the highest critic, the highest the rated highest from the Critics? Critics okay. side. And, actually, I'm sorry, on that list, uh, on, the, on the list prior, the Hollywood Reporter one, he had Killers of the Flower Moon 10. I would have uh, run around there, 8 to 10, somewhere yeah. in there. For the Rotten Tomatoes one, uh, number five is actually Killers of the Flower Moon with 92%. Uh, number four is Goodfellas at 94%. There's a tie for second between Mean Streets and The Irishman at 95%. Okay. And number one, and we've seen this movie, all of us have seen this uh-huh. movie, The Last Waltz, 98%. Oh. That's, so, uh, that almost went on list. That's a great one. So. Well, it just shows you the range of Scorsese. I mean, you know... Everyone, everyone's list will be different. He's done. I think, I, I think he had seventy-three directing credits. Some of these are short films. Some of them are you know music videos. He helped out with uh, you know Michael Jackson, other people. But he's probably directed, God, at least fifty-some feature films. So take your pick. All right, I think we should wrap this up then. Um, go see Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to sit through a three-hour, three-thirty movie, if you want to break it up, then just wait for it to be on Apple Plus. And I'm, I looked at it for my brother. I'm pretty sure you know theater theater um, windows are very small now. I think it comes to Apple in like two weeks. Yeah, so you don't have to wait yeah, long. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? <laughs> okay, so Keith, you want to do the plugs? Sure. You can reach us at moviesandmealog at gmail.com. Movies and meal on Twitter. And you can just listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, so for this episode of Movies and Meal, I'm Ben. And Keith, Brad, peace!